It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Tony Reynes describes himself as a weather geek, kind of a compulsive weather checker. At night, he listens to this guy. The forecast is for anywhere from three to six inches of snow. And when he's not checking Tom Skilling of WGN, he's using his phone apps like Weather Underground, Weather.com, and High Def Radar. Tony grew up in Fairfield County, Connecticut. So I was used to pretty predictable weather, uh, but I've also lived in other places that are pretty easy to predict. Then he moved to Chicago, where he says the weather seems like it can change dramatically from one moment to the next, and forecasts don't seem as consistently accurate. I've always heard that the lake was this amazing thing that made it very difficult to predict. So he came to Curious City to find out. Is it harder to predict the weather in Chicago than in other places? Tony's not alone to wonder. You hear people complain all the time about how unpredictable the weather can be here. Perhaps this is even the least predictable big city when it comes to weather. I'm Alexandra Solomon, editor for Curious City. And even if you don't check the weather quite as often as Tony, chances are you do check it. Because we depend on the weather forecast to make all kinds of decisions, like what to wear or when to plan a family barbecue or even whether to evacuate our home. And when it doesn't seem accurate, it can be downright infuriating. So to figure out if Chicago's weather is as hard to predict as Tony thinks it is, we headed out to Northern Illinois University. It's about an hour west of Chicago. There we met with Victor Gensini in the same classroom where he teaches future meteorologists. So I love weather. I'm a giant what we call weather weenie. Gensini's been interested in the weather ever since he was a teenager in central Illinois. Uh, essentially, when I was in high school, a tornado hit my high school and unfortunately uh, killed eight people. Uh, it wasn't a particularly good forecast, and I started asking questions. So we put Tony's question to him. How hard is it to predict the weather in Chicago compared to other places? And the simple answer is that Tony's on to something. Every city has their own challenges, but there are some cities that are harder to predict than others. Chicago would certainly be in that upper end of the difficulty range in sort of predictability because of Lake Michigan. So Chicago's harder to predict than a lot of places, but similar to other cities on Lake Michigan, like Milwaukee. But Victor Gensini says many people believe that Chicago is hard to predict because the weather is so volatile. We get blizzards, heat waves, and sometimes totally different weather one day to the next. And Gensini says that volatility doesn't equal unpredictability. So the more complicated answer to Tony's question is actually it really depends on several things. So Tony, Gensini, and I all sat down for a longer conversation about what makes weather hard to predict in Chicago and in other parts of the country. So first of all, it depends on the time of the year, actually. So there are certain times of the year where weather forecasting in Chicago is just easier. That's generally when the lake is partially frozen over. It's also in the summer months when there's not a lot of transition between weather patterns. So we're kind of in a stagnant pattern where yesterday was 70, tomorrow's going to be 70. There's a lot of what we call persistence in the forecast. Okay, so let's break it down a little. When I check my weather forecast in the morning, how accurate is that temperature reading and how easy is it to predict? 
Specifically, temperature in Chicago is actually forecasted very well, especially out to seven days. It becomes very, very difficult when we're looking at lakeshore conditions. So, for example, the person walking down Michigan Avenue is going to be experiencing probably on any given day a drastically different temperature than somebody walking around outside the terminals at O'Hare or Midway. Our models, though, our weather models that we use to help us forecast, do incorporate Lake Michigan. Sometimes they have trouble, you know, anticipating and forecasting the exact conditions. Um, but when we talk about these modifiers and we look across the country, um, some places have them and some places don't. Mountains can be modifiers, for example. So Colorado, for example, sure. would be harder. Place Denver would sure. be harder than Chicago? Sure. I was uh, out on a trip last year and I stopped in at the Cheyenne National Weather Service office. I think they have one of the hardest jobs in the country. Uh, those Intermountain West National Weather Service offices, you rely not so much on the weather models, you rely on experience, which is beautiful. So how much interpretation then is there in this whole trying to predict the forecast? Well, let's just talk about a forecaster that's sitting out in the Denver office, you know, and forecasting temperatures for the next seven days. Uh, generally, the start of that forecast is probably going to be populated by these models. And then what the forecaster is going to do is he or she is going to go in and sort of tick some boxes to say, ooh, we're in a weather pattern that last time this happened, the model was wrong and it was too cold, so I'm going to go in and adjust the forecast. And this is where we see the human element can really play a major role in increasing the value of forecasts. So I want a human issuing my tornado warning, right? I want a human issuing my precipitation forecast because I know as a meteorologist how difficult it is to forecast rain. So like today when I checked my weather so that I could make sure my kids had their right shoes so they didn't come home with, you know, wet feet, which is every mother's nightmare. And now it's snowing out and I didn't expect that. How'd they get that wrong? There are some variables meteorologically that are inherently easier to forecast. For example, temperature is easier to forecast than precipitation. Precipitation uh, is not normally distributed across the landscape. It can be raining in DeKalb and you know, not raining in Naperville. If I told you it was going to rain tomorrow in Chicago and the northern suburbs got it and the southern suburbs didn't, am I wrong? I said Chicago. What do you think it is the reason that it always feels so unpredictable to people? Uh, Chicago runs the gamut in weather hazards. So we have the ability to experience blizzard. We have the ability to experience tornado. That's not true for Miami, Florida, when you think of blizzard conditions. So there's a lot of room for error because we have a lot of room for what's possible <laughs> to start with. I think the second thing, the second part of that is we tend to remember when the forecaster does a bad job and not when the forecaster does a good job. You know, we generally remember the events of I was supposed to go to a parade, it rained on my parade, and the forecaster didn't say it was going to rain. We didn't remember the two weeks prior to that when we nailed the forecast and every single day we remember that one event that sticks with us. We give the weatherman a bad rap, even though over the long term, statistics are actually very, very good. So Victor Gensini says people are just too tough on meteorologists. What does our question asker Tony think about that defense? You know, it's much easier to remember the things I did wrong than the things I did right. Overall, I'm a little bit in awe of the number of variables that I never think about that go into making this amazing stew that we live in. Reporting for this story comes from me, Alexandra Solomon. Support comes from the Conant Family Foundation.
Hello, Curious City podcast listeners. Since this WBEZ podcast started in 2012, we have answered more than 150 questions from listeners like you. And it's people like you who made that possible. Because WBEZ is listener-supported. 60% of WBEZ's general operating funds, which support programs like Curious City, come from listener donations. That support has helped us take you all over the Chicago region in search of answers. You may remember one listener got to question the Illinois Secretary of State. Mr. White, uh, why are there so many portraits of you at the uh, Chicagoland DMVs? Well, that is is something I started. (laughs) At City Hall, another listener asked if the city is paying attention to the dangers of dust from home demolitions. Well, they're subject to the same regulation. So, I mean, you're bringing this to my attention, so I will go look into it. I have not gotten a complaint that they're not. Curious City began as an experiment. What if you helped us decide what to report on? And now is your chance to show WBEZ that as far as you're concerned, Curious City is a successful experiment, one that should continue to investigate, report, and explore Chicago based on your curiosity. Show your support for Curious City at wbez.org curious. That's wbez.org curious to make your donation today. And thank you. Next time on Curious City, Cindy remembers her mom hanging mysterious paintings in her home when she was a kid, and her mother claimed the artwork was on loan from the Art Institute of Chicago. Could it really be true? What if it was something that my mother sort of made up so she didn't have to tell my dad where these paintings came from? We figure out where the paintings came from, and if the Art Institute really loaned out its collection. That's next time on WBZ's Curious City. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.